Thanks for listening to the Church at Severn Run Messages podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. continue in our extraordinary series, I want to remind you kind of where we sort of uh, talked about last night. We, we talked about the fact that like over here is the place to where um, we are not following Jesus. We are indifferent to God. Um, we're running the show, calling the shots, leading our own life. And, and God really is both unattractive and irrelevant. And then there's this middle place we call religion. And it's this place where most of the things that are true there are true, but they're under the surface. And they're covered with uh, a patina of God and the appearance of God. And appearance really matters in the religion stage. How I look to other people really matters. What other people think really matters. But over here, only what God thinks matters. And here, um, there is transparency and vulnerability and authenticity. Here, uh, I'm not calling the shots. God is calling the shots. Here is where life begins. This is the place of a disciple. Today, I want to talk to you about making the turn without turning away. Throughout my life, I have, I've known people who are, mm, you know, in the same broken places I've been and and. For a season, for a moment, it's, it's kind of like there's this, this wind in their life. It's like, like they're walking along and there's this, this breath comes through and they turn and it sort of catches their attention and it's, it's, it's God. It's the Spirit of God. In some form or fashion, um, the Lord works in all of our lives to get our attention and to speak to us. And so we have these open seasons and open moments and, and if we're paying attention we will discern that God is paying attention to us. And in these moments of openness, we, we often like say turn and, and it can be just for a moment. Uh, it can be, you know, longer than that. Sometimes one thought leads to another thought and, and we, we, we're, we're leading our lives one way, but, but we, we're intrigued and captivated by Jesus and then, and then we, we turn to him. You notice in the New Testament that Jesus was never uh, alone except when he worked to get there. That there was always people around him because he was so extraordinary and so intriguing. But many of the people who made the turn to listen, they then turned back and they walked away. Today, I want to encourage you to make the turn without ever walking away again. And to become a disciple who refuses to quit on God. You'll be tempted to, scared. Uh, you will feel like it sometimes, but you make up your mind, I will not quit on God until I get all the way home. And when you make that kind of commitment from the beginning, it's, it's funny, it just, it just sets a different tone in your life. You don't give yourself permission to, uh, to, to go back. To, to quit, to turn around. So, so you know, I, I got to be out in, uh, in Utah in, in, um, in Moab this last September. And that's the, the famous Sean Delaire uh, right there, that guy right there. And um, Sean and I had just kind of crested this hill and this was in front of us. And 
And again, this is no big deal. Like if somebody's an extraordinary writer, it's, it's nothing and everything else. But, but we don't have extraordinary writers. It's just me at this point. And I, I will say this in defense that, that um, pictures and, and video don't quite do the steepness justice. Like uh, right there at the top, uh, those are people in motorcycles right there. Um, and they look like ants. And so it's, it's kind of a picture of, of our disciples' journey. Down here, let's just say this is, this is us at the bottom. And here's the top at, at heaven when our journey is done. You know, it's, it's clearly marked, right? Uh, you you kind of know the way to the top. It's, it's not that complicated. Jesus said, follow me. Um, and to follow him means that he's always going to be there giving you your next, giving you your, your marker. You're never going to be alone. Uh, you're never going to be abandoned. He's always going to be there to, to lead you to the next place. Now, in our case, we pull over the hill and, and you know, it's just Sean and I. And, and I'm honestly just deciding, like, do I, do I want to do this? Um, because, again, quite honestly, I'm not going to, you know, ride stuff beyond, like, if I think there's 0% chance I can do it, I'm, I'm not going to do it, right? I, I don't have a death wish. I, I love living. Yay, life. Um, but there's two sides. There's this fear-based side that says, I'm going to die. And then there's this other side that says, I may never be here again. And, and when I'm old and in a rocking chair, I really will wish I'd have done this. You have a life right now, and, and it may be right there. And your life had a beginning, uh, it's got a middle, and it has an end. Where do you want to be at the end? You can live your life as an unstoppable disciple, you know, um, faithfully trusting Jesus Christ, or you can live your life, um, you know, on your own, thinking your own thoughts, living in your own fears, feeling your own feelings, and, and you can live apart from the love of God and stay at the bottom of this broken world if you want to. But when it's over, when you got what you want, you won't want what you got. So, so here we are at, at the bottom, and um, the, the thing about this is there's, there's not really room to turn around. In fact, I was in a restaurant a couple of days after this, and I, and I learned that a couple of months before, two people had died on this from losing momentum and falling back. Had I known that, it might have changed my equation a little bit in, in doing this, honestly. Um, and... And it just reminded me of the fact, though, that, that when you start something, you got to commit. Regardless, you got to commit. So here are Sean and I, and we're at the bottom, and you'll hear, you know, the honesty at the beginning, you know, I don't really know that I want to do this. That's, that's the decision, that's the flesh. But once you start, there's not a whole lot of room for stopping. I'm waiting to see if anybody will come by and give me more time.
<laughs> and at the top, you say, that wasn't so hard. And at the end of your life, with all the stuff that came, all the cancer, all the fear, all the, the hurt, the, the, um, you know, all the, the pain that this life accumulated, I promise you that at the end, when we are with Jesus at the top in his love, we're going to look back and say, that wasn't, that wasn't so bad. That wasn't anything. Especially when we compare it to the cross. Let me begin at the beginning by just, you know, defining a disciple. What, what's a disciple? It's someone who follows Jesus, not their own wants, wishes, um, their own will, or their own vision uh, of life. It's someone who learns trust as a way of life. It's not about what you think and, and, and what you can see and what you understand. When we talk about seeing, we're really not talking about seeing so much as, as really the, the mental framing of life that you do. Things should be this way. No, no, Jesus is in charge and things should be his way and and it may not make sense at all. A disciple is someone who transfers the ownership of their life. How many of you all have, have sold a, a, a motorcycle or a car in this last year or two? Anybody? Okay, when you sold the car, uh, there's this thing called a title. And you sign it over. And it's not yours anymore. And, and you don't have any rights to it. You don't have any control over it. In fact, you really shouldn't, you know, it's not yours anymore. You have nothing to do with it. You signed it over. It's not yours. I sold a car one time and about two days later, got a call at three in the morning by a policeman and said, sir, we've recovered your car. I said, I don't think so. I'm looking out the window. It's right here. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, oh, you're t- I sold that car on Thursday. He said, you did? I said, yep, I sold Signed the title over. It's not mine anymore. And, um, and, and, and you know what? I, I cared about the poor person who's being stopped, but I didn't care about the car. It's not mine. A disciple makes that kind of a definitive decision with their life. It's not mine anymore. I've completely signed over the control to Jesus Christ. And, and I'm laying down my current way of life to take up the Jesus way of life. What's the Jesus way of life? Go figure it out. Ask the question and live the answer. Why does becoming a disciple or a follower of Jesus even matter? It matters because we live on a dying planet in a billion broken worlds, eight billion to be exact. And, and, and this brokenness and this dying, um, it impacts everything. There is a, a distance and an apartness, first of all, from us and God, but even from other people, there's this broken and distance and apart from other people. And, and even being married is two broken people. Man, w- without Jesus, I, that's just like, how does that work? And, and, and we should be a disciple because unless we follow Jesus out of our dying at the bottom, we die at the bottom. We don't make it to the top. Please don't listen to any of this nonsense or this idea we all get to heaven. We don't. God will never force anyone to be with him. He's clearly revealed what he is like. If we don't like that, he's not going to force us to be with him for eternity. That would be immoral. John 6.35 tells us that there's only one sustainable plan for, for breathing on planet Earth, and that is trusting Him. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever doesn't come to me will, will always be hungry and will die of hunger. 
And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But whoever doesn't believe in me will always be thirsty and will eventually die of thirst. But as I have told you, you have seen me and still do not believe me. Listen, he's talking to people who who turned out of their day to listen to him. So there's this partial turn. But so often, so often, and I've I've known a, a thousand people in my life, literally probably only exaggerating a little bit, who have made this partial turn and and from their darkness they turn to Jesus and they believe for just a little bit. But then got distracted, discouraged. Defeated in religion, hurt by somebody else, something happened somewhere where they then turned away not believing, not signing over the title. In John 6.40, Jesus said this, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son will and believes in Him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up on the last day. So, so it's our choice to look to, to the Son, Jesus, and, and to see in Him life. And in believing in a whole life kind of way, we get to the top. Let me give you some biblical standards for discipleship because too many churches and too many of us are in that dead cultural religious middle um, that, that God doesn't want us to be. It's about being proactive versus passive. The biblical standard means the disciple is proactive, not passive. You're not sitting around waiting for God to do something. You are the movement of God in a broken world, right? We sit around sometimes praying, God, do something. He has done something. He died on the cross and he sent you to be his son or his daughter in a broken world. He's done something. God has moved and he's waiting for you to move with him. But cultural uh, norm and conformity is to be passive, to sit back on Sundays and, and, and do nothing. It's disciplined versus undisciplined. That's the biblical standard. Learn to say no to yourself. Learn to say no to some of the things that you feel. Your feelings lie. Your thoughts are not all right. Our wanter is broken. So learn to say no to yourself. Discipline and disciple, you kind of note they're the same words. And that's the biblical standard. Holistic versus compartmentalized living. In, in, you know, a non-disciple, you know, uh, life, I can, I can compartmentalize, compartmentalize my life and keep things separate. You know, I can cheat on my wife and then, and look her in the eyes and kiss her on the cheek and say, hi, honey, how are you? Love you. Um, I can, I can do my will, uh, you know, five days a week and then, and then, you know, step into, you know, worship or open my Bible and, and I feel good about it because I haven't connected things, but only in hell are things not connected. Right? Hell is a place where nothing connects with anything. <laughs> uh, heaven is a place where everything is connected. And, and you and I um, are, are living under the authority and the, and the truth of the, the, the king of heaven, not the, the lie of hell. So it is connected and you need to let it be connected in your life. Everything's connected. It's countercultural versus a conforming lifestyle. You were called to be countercultural. You were not called to be a dead fish floating down a stream carried along by what everybody else believes around us, whatever everybody else is doing. You were called to be a revolutionary. It's biblically, uh, um, it, it's the church as essential versus optional. And, and, and I say this, you know, I know what my motive is. If you doubt it, seriously, go someplace else and it's okay. Um, 
You know, when I, when I began ministry even here just 20 years ago, the, the, the national standard was typically a, a, you know, a Christian or a church attender would attend every other week. In the short time, I say short, it feels short, the last 20 years, that has gone from, from, from every other week to, to almost once a month. And, and I'm telling you, the scripture says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. It tells us that we need each other, that connected is better. It's not about legalism or checking a box. That's, that's dumb. That's lifeless. It's about obedience and doing whatever it is that God tells me to do, joyfully overflowing in, in hope. So I'm, I'm going to tell you, again, if you're a disciple, that you need to make church an essential part of your life. When I grew up, it was my life. I kid you not, it was my life. My whole life centered around it in a healthy way. And what I'm saying to you and asking you to do this journey with me because we all got a limited time on earth. The clock is ticking, right? Um, I'm asking you if you're a disciple, then, then worship every week. You need the rhythm. The biblical standard is, is to be biblically informed versus ignorant. I hear a lot of people say, well, I don't know everything. Are you kidding? Do you know anybody who knows everything about anything? I promise you, you do not. So stop being overwhelmed by what you don't know and and start just being amazed by what you do know. If you read the scripture like a little child, you will be stunned at what the Spirit speaks to you. The biblical standard is bold versus an inhibited witness. Instead of being milquetoast and embarrassed by Jesus, yeah, I follow Jesus. Really? Doesn't sound like you're very excited about it. Be who you are. Be his, be his son. Be his daughter. And, and don't be afraid of, of, of your, your, your dad, your papa. We've got to make the turn. So what is the turn? <clears throat> what are the three marks of a disciple? I pray that you will take these and, and memorize them and, and make them, um, you know, the centerpiece of your, your discipleship from this day forward. It's, it's intimacy. When I make the turn, I'm, I'm moving from a life apart from Jesus to a life with Jesus, to where I am seeking him because he has sought me. <laughs> and every day, it's not about appearances or feelings. It's just about, about life with. It's about, it's about vulnerability and honesty and integrity and things coming together in Christ. It's about this wonderful relationship. Any of you who are a parent, Know the kind of relationship you would love to have with your child. How many years did I go through trying to understand the heart of my child? How was your day? What's the word that comes next? F-I-N-E, or okay, (laughs) fine. Can you unpack that? No. Okay, (laughs) you know. But you long to know, what did, you, what did you do? How did you feel? How did you, what choices did you make? You know, all this stuff. You want to know more than that as a, as a parent. And your heavenly father wants you to share everything with him. Intimacy. And I'm just telling you, it, this is soul deep and as big as God. Transformation is the second mark of a disciple. This is how you turn. Uh, instead of saying no to God, I'm going to run my life any way I want, you turn and you let him transform you any way he chooses, whatever. And no longer any ideas of my life should look like this, my life will track like this. God, I'm not in control anymore. I signed the title over. I got no, no right to go back to the guy I sold my car to and say, hey, you should be doing this, this, and this with this car and, 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 and you know, give it back to me. I want to drive. 
It's not mine. You get arrested for stuff like that. Transformation means, Jesus, my life is yours. Use it for your glory. Um, uh, you said, Jesus, as the Father sent you into the world, so you sent me. I, I don't understand the whole plan, but I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. You're God. Lenny Davis, uh, Dennis, uh, you know, is just, he's watching on Facebook, so hi. Um, got to ring the bell for cancer on Thursday. And uh, we got to, yeah, it's awesome. Lenny years ago had uh, severe Crohn's disease, so much so that it was disab- um, disabling him and, and he was not even able to work. Okay, you know, for most of us, that would be a major hit in life, but to God be the glory, Lenny said. And he allowed God to transform him in faith upwards. He didn't stop, he didn't turn. And then, and then Lenny began to go blind and, and actually, um, you know, a, a while back was declared legally blind. And he now has his cane that he unfolds and plops out and walks along when he gets. Okay. Many of us at that point, we're going to stop and turn and say, no, you know, God is, Lenny, no, God, you do whatever you want. And, and this transforms his, his journey with Jesus. And then Lanny's Crohn's disease, they'd already removed part of his stomach, turns cancerous, and now they have to remove the whole thing and, and then go through all this chemo. A lot of us would turn and, and walk away from intimacy. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> Jesus, uh, I'm yours, you're my father, um, and you, you change me and the world around me any way you want. And that is what makes the third mark of a disciple being on mission with, with Christ. This is the key, and this is what it looks like. Now, the truth is that most people will never listen to love in this, in this broken world we live in. Most people will never listen to love, and they're in arrogance, are gonna shut out Jesus, and disregard and disrespect, and, and it maybe even mock him. They'll never turn to Christ and become disciples. That's, that's the vast majority. Many are going to begin the journey, but they're going to turn away somewhere along the way. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 14, that narrow is the path that leads to life and broad is the way that leads to destruction and few people are going to find the path that leads to life and, and many are just going to, just going to walk along without ever, without ever hearing the, the heart of, of God in Christ. But a few, you, will turn and never turn away and become disciples who follow Jesus all the way home. In Luke 9.62, Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. We can't quit. I can remember reading that verse right as I'm becoming a Christian thinking, wow, uh-oh, this is, this is serious stuff. I can't do this lightly. If I'm going to do this, I've got to commit and I can't stop. I've got to finish this thing. In John 6, 66, those numbers ring a bell for anybody? The scripture says, and from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Why? Because there was an ask that Jesus gave them that was bigger than their want and their will. Because they wouldn't allow what Jesus was asking from them to transform them. Uh, instead, they, they took back the reins and turned around and went on their way. 
I want to be very, very clear, my, my brothers and my sisters, my fellow disciples, today, just to challenge you, don't quit on God. Satan is a liar, and he will tell you anything. He will use anybody. He will, he will misinterpret everything to get you to quit on God. Don't quit on God. Make the turn without ever turning away. Jesus taught about this in Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. And the scripture says, uh, and again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. And the crowd gathered around him. And it was so large because people always were turned and intrigued to his extraordinary, his extraordinary teaching. So large that he got into a, a boat and sat in on the lake while all the people were on the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parable and in his teaching said, listen. A farmer went out to sow his seed and he was, as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. So let's just mentally picture this, right? He's, he scatters some seed. It falls on, on hard, you know, beaten ground. And, and you can picture it. The birds are all going, yay, dinner. And they swoop down and, and, and it's gone. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path uh, after the birds ate it up and fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. Again, you've, you've seen this. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up and the plants were scorched, they withered because they had no root. Here, it's a turn and it's a little deeper than the last turn. A few more steps, a few more days, a little bit longer season, but, but there's no real intimacy, no real transformation, no real mission with Christ. And then life happens and there's a return, a turning around, a turning away. Some fell on rocky places. And, and then um, after the, the sun came up, the plants were scorched, they withered, no root. Others fell on thorns which grew up, but then the thorns choked out the plants. So they didn't bear any fruit, any grain. But still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, there's a whole lot of us here who, who wish God would speak to us to change our lives. I didn't understand this passage that that's comes next, but I, I think I understand it a little bit more, maybe. I don't know. Just So if you've got ears to hear, listen, Jesus said. But, but then he says in, in verse 10, um, quoting Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, they may be ever hearing but never perceiving, um, ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing, never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. What Jesus is saying is that you and I have heard enough of his love to change our lives forever. You don't lack anything. I believe Jesus is saying that if we were willing to believe what we already know, <laughs> with the heart of a child, that we would spend the rest of our days living effectively with a forgiven heart full of joy. I have been forgiven. I don't have any reason to run from God. There's no, there's no safety at the bottom. There's no life at the bottom. I'm called to the top. I'm committed to go and God can get me there. 
The disciples didn't understand what he was saying, so Jesus unpacked the, the parable, and he said, listen, the, the farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. I want you to know, I want to remind you, you have an enemy. His name is Satan. He is working actively to keep you from intimacy, transformation, and being on mission with Christ. And you, here's the deception, you think you're all that and you're doing all this on your own. You're not. You're being manipulated and played like a puppet. When you get to heaven uh, or to judgment, you know, before heaven and hell, you're going to see how all of your confident choosing against God was just you listening to, to the liar. And so, so at least in our arrogance, let's understand that, that we're being encouraged to keep our distance from God. We're being encouraged to misinterpret God and, 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 and to see all the attractiveness of what God has offered us as being ugly and unattractive, like repellent. So Satan comes and takes away the word. Others, uh, like the seed on rocky places, hear the word and once receive it with joy. Again, they turn, but not far in. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life. Man, the, the focus is on Jesus and then and then something else grabs their attention on life. Somebody, somebody did wrong, something here, something there, some problem, some pain, a blindness, a cancer, a something. The deceitfulness of wealth, the desire for other things, they come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. But others, like the seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop some 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. I want to tell you this, that if you will become a disciple of Jesus and live in intimacy with him and surrender to the transformation of what he wants to do in your life, whether you understand it or not, and start living the grand adventure of mission with him, which is awesome and amazing, you will be unstoppable and your life will be fruitful if you follow you will be fruitful every time. In John 15, 5, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Guys, if I was a financial planner and I could tell you that you could give me $10,000 and I would either multiply it kind of like the cold scratch off, you know, I could multiply it 30 times or 60 times or 100 times, I would be more popular than Warren Buffett. You may look at your life and, and think it doesn't count much, it doesn't have much impact, it's not worth much. Those are all lies from hell. <laughs> you see, the, the cool thing, uh, you know, you can do this thing if you will just believe. The, the cool thing about this whole journey is it's, it's, a, it's a journey that's powered by the grace of God through faith. And it's like the motorcycle. I wasn't there pushing this thing up the rock. Did you notice that? Uh, that, would have been, that would have been what you and I conceive the Christian life to be like a lot of us. Oh, this is so hard. No, it's not. Just turn the throttle. <laughs> Just have faith. Faith is the throttle. And when you turn the throttle, God, by the power of his resurrected son, through the indwelling you know, incarnation of the Holy Spirit, will empower you to be unstoppable and to be fruitful. You were not called to live a do-nothing life. <laughs> 
Man, as the worship team sneaks up behind me, I want to invite all of you all to turn and never turn away. Make up your mind. I will not turn away. I will turn to Jesus. I will sign the title of my life over. I will, I will no longer live my life my way. I will learn the Jesus way. And through my doubts and through my fears, I will trust and allow God to empower and to enable and, and to, to lead me all the way home. If you've never accepted Jesus as your, your, your Lord and Savior, I'm, I'm just telling you too often we offer salvation and then try to encourage you, we'll follow Jesus. That ain't the way it works. You follow Jesus and he saves you. That's the way it works. You pursue intimacy with Jesus and he does the rest. So, so I want to ask you this morning, turn to Jesus. And, and right here on the, the back of the worship folder, there's a way. We'll be up here at, at the, the front to talk to you. There's a way you can meet with any of us. Any believer you know, they'll be able to tell you how to, to do this. Make your call. Now, the other segment I want to talk to as, as we just finish up here, it's what's going to happen in the next few moments. There, there are a lot of you who turn and, and then you've, you've quit. You stopped. And you may think that you're not worthy, that, you, that, you, that it is too late, that you can't. Are you breathing? Can I, can I see the hands of everyone breathing here today? It's unanimous. In a Baptist church, it's absolutely unanimous. That's incredible. If you're breathing, you can begin again. The old is gone, the new has come. You can be a new creation in Christ. Your life can start over. I don't care how bad and broken, I don't care how many times you've fallen, I don't care, I don't care, it, I don't care how dead you are. When resurrection comes, all the dead, it's gone, replaced by life. Today, if you will turn, and if today you will love and pursue intimacy with Jesus and surrender and let God transform your life any way he wants and act, go ahead, next slide, that God will, will do this and he will, he will be the power that through your faith gets you all the way to the home. So, will you turn? Give Jesus your answer in these moments. If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. And as we like to say, love well, live Jesus, and believe big.